I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and, well, it was an important weekend for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but somebody should have told them that. Uh, Two back-to-back losses in regulation to Metropolitan Division teams. Of course, they lost to the Islanders 5-4 on Friday in a pivotal game when it comes to the wildcard race in the Eastern Conference. And then they fell on Saturday by a score of 5-2 to two to the New Jersey Devils. We'll talk about where their ceiling is, which is an interesting conversation that I'm excited to have with you, Horwat. We're going to talk a little bit about Ron Hextall and what he needs to do to save his job at this point. Because it seems like he's really sitting on a hot seat. And then, of course, we finish it off with our pens poll the first time we've had one in three weeks. Because I finally remembered to post one. But Horwat, two games. Not great results for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The top six continues to try to carry them, and the bottom six continues to sink them. What are your thoughts on this team before we get to talking about where their ceiling could be? This team is in a spot. I don't know how else to put it. This team, and it, the vibes are definitely dwindling, I think, you know? It's uh, not the same situation that it was heading into the year. Uh, it's not the same situation it was, you know, after um, putting up 50 shots in game one and then following it up with like 30-something in game two and having the momentum behind you and the crowd behind you because it was two home games to start the season, which is kind of rare for the Penguins, it feels. Um, so I can remember after game two being in the room, I think it was Jay Kensel said, like, it's great having the crowd behind us. You know, we're amped. We have unfinished business almost. I, I, don't, ha- I don't remember the exact quote, but... That was the vibe of the room. We have unfinished business, clearly. it's It was another year of an early postseason defeat, uh, and we know we're better than that. We came back. They came back with mostly the same crew, a couple of adjustments on defense, um, and new contracts for everybody. They knew they had something to prove this year, and now here we are about 10, 11 days away from the trade deadline, and we're getting ready to have the discussion of, can this team do anything in the regular season can they reach the playoffs and do anything there what does the future of a number of people hold and uh it's a little late to have a state of the team address but with every passing day it seems like there needs to be another one another what is going on and 
the issue is, at least for, you know, for people like me and you, for some of the younger crowd, even some of the older ones, maybe, this is new ground. This is completely new ground. I think I'd mentioned that to you yesterday in a text. I said, this is new area for uh, a lot of people. Like, yeah, we've seen this team be bad before. Oh, yeah. We were children. You know, we've seen this team struggle before, but they still had, they still knew they could do it. They still looked better than this. This is new ground. This is completely new for a lot of people. And it's not that people don't know how to take it. I mean, as long as they're Penguin fans and also Pirate fans, we know what it's like to lose. Yeah. But the expectations are so much higher. I think when it comes down to, if we're going to pull like the Pirates and Steelers into this, the Penguins year after year have always seem to have higher expectations the highest of the three the ones that because they have two of the best players in the world on their team they always have the ability to do something um whereas the Steelers I mean at least more recently it's just been false hope and I think we've all a lot of people come to accept that and the Pirates there's just nothing there we were shocked in 2013 so when it comes to the Penguins it's year after year consistency and here we are ready to discuss a lot of different things with this team. And where does this team stand right now? Not in a good spot. Uh, something needs to change, but there's A, not time, and B, one change isn't going to help a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And we'll discuss all of that, of course, over the course of the next couple of weeks leading up to the NHL's trade deadline on March 3rd, which is a Friday, which is going to make everything that much more interesting because you're going to get your normal news dumps and then you're going to get your trade deadline news dumps, which is just going to be an insane atmosphere. But let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins ceiling, because when you look at this team, there's such a weird aura around them. They're great at times. They've been great this season at times throughout the entire roster. Their top six has still continued to produce their bottom six doesn't produce has at some points in the season their defense has gone from good to bad to horrible to somewhat good and their goaltending is just a crap shoot so Horwat, I ask you this knowing that it's not a cut and dry answer for most but what is the Pittsburgh Penguins ceiling as it stands right now with this team currently constructed that you're going to see go out on the ice tonight and that you've seen the past couple of games before the Devils game I would have said the ceiling is still, and even before the Island, definitely before the Islanders game, um, I would have said the ceiling is to still make the playoffs, right? They're still going to get there. We're going to squeak in in the wild card. It'll be the first time in the, in the Sullivan era where we've had a wild card entry. But I, And I was thinking in the process of there are going to be two playoff streaks that continue this year. And I still kind of have that vibe, but things are slipping quickly. They're going to reach the playoffs, 17 years. It's going to be a good thing but then they're going to lose in the first round again. This team, it doesn't, it's not that they're not constructed to, you know, make it past the first, but they're not constructed to make it past the first. And I'll keep falling back on, on paper. Sure. Sure. These are players that can do something. Guess what? The paper's starting to really talk a lot more against this bottom six and the things that are being done in the goaltending situation. It's, dude, there's a lot of fog around what's going on with Tristan Chari right now. It's getting scary. Um, Mm -hmm. That being said, this, I don't know if, let's say they have to can Jari for the season. Let's say that has to happen. Knock on wood. Like I said, we don't know. He's getting outside consultants. What is happening now? Let's say he can't play for the rest of the season or he's not the same. Well, two things happened. One, I don't know if this team makes the playoffs. Two, Joel Blomquist just became a much more touted prospect for us that we need to focus on. 
Because as of right now, Jari's supposed to kind of be the future of this goaltending team, and we don't know if we can get that right now. Yeah, Jari's injuries definitely cloud the rest of the season and what it's going to look like and what the Penguins should do when it comes to the trade deadline. But as currently constructed, I do agree with you. I still think this is a team that makes the playoffs. I think that when you look around the league, you see that not just the Penguins, but everybody else they're fighting with for the playoffs right now in the wild card are not performing. Yeah. It's just, it's not just the Penguins. And that's why they continue to sit in the first wild card spot with games in hand on a lot of the teams that are behind them. I mean, the Penguins in their last 10 are 4-4-2. Four, four, the Islanders are 5-3-2. The Capitals are 3-7. Florida is 5-4-1, and, and Buffalo is 6-3-1. These teams have been so mediocre that Buffalo and Detroit are, or I'm sorry, that Detroit and Ottawa are all of a sudden back into the wild card picture, being only three points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins with the same amount of games played. So, it's not a comfortable situation for them, but I still think when you look at that situation, the Penguins have the best top six going, and I think that could be enough to push them into the playoffs. But I think once they get there, my ceiling for them is two wins. Two. Yeah, I don't think they get past game six against whoever they play, whether that be the Carolina Hurricanes or the Boston Bruins, who are the two teams that, of course, the Penguins are lined up to potentially play against right now. It's the Hurricanes. But I don't think they win more than two games. I don't think they're a serious threat to anybody the way they currently stand. They lack depth, and it doesn't pose a threat. Their defense is not good enough to shelter Casey DeSmith if he's not on the top of his game. And that's an issue, because coin flip Casey is not always on the top of his game. We saw that on Friday against the New York Islanders. So as it stands right now, I think their, their ceiling is make the playoffs and win two games. That's the best I hope for with this team as it's currently constructed. Yeah. Now, with Tristan Jari back, which is what you leaned into before I went on my little tangent there, with him back in the fold, whenever that is, we don't know. It's unclear. He went out January 21st. He mysteriously didn't show up to the game, and he hasn't been back since. I mean, he's been practicing, you know, day-to-day, -day, getting close, not there yet, getting outside consultants. Very cloudy on where Tristan Jari is at with his health. But if he comes back and he is healthy, that is the key word. I think not only do you make the playoffs, but I think they have the ability to win the first round in either six or seven games. And I see even That's the ceiling. Even with Jari in, I don't know. I just don't. Because, he's a yes, he's a great goalie, and if he's healthy, he can steal wins. I mean... It would be his time to shine. It'd be his first real, not his first real go at the postseason, mm -hmm. but um, the first real go at the postseason where he's got his confidence in him. He knows what to expect. He knows what to do. Um, I could see him for helping for seven games. I could see him making it, making it, uh, making it scary, making it long, longer. Mm -hmm. But man, I just don't know about stacking up our depth, our depth against someone like Carolina. Who Jari, who we haven't beat yet, and I think Jari played in all four of those games. I believe DeSmith started one okay. of them, but Jari, for the most part, played in all of yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were all one-goal differentials. That's one thing we have riding for us, is that we can keep up, but now it's a matter of pushing it over the edge. I just... This defense is getting spotty in front of them, in front of everybody. 
and I don't know how much I like I said I just don't know how much Jari can help that situation can he maybe push to seven and maybe give us that fourth win possibly Uh, I'm just a Mm -hmm. little less optimistic about that than you are well I think that's the ceiling the ceiling is winning around for them that shouldn't be the ceiling the ceiling should be a Stanley Cup but they're not anywhere near that Um, and here's the thing with Tristan Jari back I I think you're understating and, and probably because it's been so long since we've actually seen Tristan Jari for more than two games but you're understating the value of Tristan Jari when he is healthy because I understand the defense is not good, and it isn't. It's struggling. It needs to be better, and it it's a blemish on Hextall that we'll talk about in the second segment. But Tristan Jari's ability can hide up a lot of those blemishes where Casey DeSmith cannot. Like, Casey DeSmith can have a good game, but more often than not, he is not able to play to the level that will hide a lot of those deficiencies on the Penguins' back end. Tristan Jari can. And in a playoff series, specifically in my opinion, against the Carolina Hurricanes team, who is notorious for just evaporating in the playoffs when it comes to their offensive ability, I think that's a matchup that the Penguins can exploit, and I think that's why I have them as a ceiling, potentially pushing that to six or seven games, and possibly even getting over that hurdle, getting into the second round. But again... Same thing is, without him, I don't see them doing very much damage in the second round. Similar to if Jari isn't there, I don't see them doing much damage in the first round. So, again, even with Jari, the ceiling is you win a series and that's it. And that's not what the Pittsburgh Penguins are built to do. At least that's not what they were supposed to be built to do. The only way to actually raise this ceiling is to make a trade, preferably more than one, but you have to add somebody from the outside to get this ceiling to budge far, far enough to where it's actually where it should yeah, be. A couple of thoughts that ran across my mind while you were uh, speaking there is one, this team hasn't seen the second round in a long time. You never know what kind of momentum can be built from stealing a series, by the way. Let's put, let's just throw yeah. that out there. With or without Tristan Jari in net, with or without stout defense, you steal a series somehow, some way. Maybe just Malkin and Crosby just go Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl mode somehow against Carolina and just bowl over everybody, just themselves, no one else. You steal a series like that, suddenly the room wakes up. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, we did something. A little more, the juices mm-hmm. get flowing a little more. It's the second round, something we haven't seen in a long time. We'll mention this again really quickly, but... Think back to 2013. I will be bringing 2013 back up again later in this episode. But Tomas Vokun was in Mm -hmm. net. They couldn't get Flurry to stop a puck against Columbus. Vokun gets them through that series. They use that energy and just absolutely floor the Ottawa Senators. But continue. Yeah, that's that's pretty much wrapping up my thought on the first one. You never know what a quick series can give you, a quick series win can give you, especially because we haven't seen one in a long time. My second thought process is, you mentioned something about uh, with or without Jari. Without Jari, I don't see this team going anywhere. I'm going to be blunt there. I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Casey is just too volatile, too much. It's Literally, it's one game on, one game off, and that's not going to mm-hmm. be good enough. Dustin Tokarski is a minor league goalie, sorry. It's it's fun having a little journeyman on your team. You know, and it, it was real fun seeing him steal the show uh, in his Penguins debut and then I mean, we started them the next game, and we saw what we had. He hasn't been that great since. He's a third-string goalie, and honestly, it's not 
it's not that uh, Louis Domingue was bad, but he's not Louis Domingue either. He's not as Louis Domingue was better because he had some sort of uh, pedigree in the NHL as a backup during that legendary Tampa Bay run. Um, and he's not even. I mean, Maxim Legasse wasn't given giving given any sort of trust, so we don't know what we had there. So I, if anything, Tokarski isn't Domingue, so we have to worry about that as well. If it's just if it's just a Smith. And we have to roll with Tokarski as a backup. This team's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter who's in front of them. We're not getting saves. Mm-hmm. We're letting up the most amount of shots in the league, I think, or at least we're cl- damn close to it. Um, we're not doing all of the right things to help our goaltending out, no matter who it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when looking at the trade deadline, I think that not only would it obviously help the bottom line to bring in some players, help the team in in general, just because you're bringing in more talent and supplanting them where you have people that are basically negative or just absolutely zero asset, um, similar to a guy like Jeff Carter. But I think you would also breathe some life into the players that are on the ice and some of those top six players. They look defeated on Saturday. We talked about that before the show. This top six scored, I believe, every single goal over the weekend, and at points on Saturday, they just looked like, I don't know what else to do. Like They don't have answers anymore because... They haven't seen any reinforcements coming in after months of desperately needing some. And then they look around the league and you look at the fact that the Penguins are running out of potential targets. Like we talked about for a while that, hey, well, listen, the market's not moving. So I guess that's an excuse for Hextall. The market's moving now. And Ron Hextall is still on the sidelines. I mean, oh, just over the weekend, Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari together go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Tyler Mott goes back to the Rangers. He was a good piece for them last year in the playoffs. That was their second move to improve here in the month leading up to the trade deadline. And they're in third place in the Metropolitan Division. Not to mention, we obviously talked about Tarasenko. We talked about Horvat. Notice that all these trades are coming to the East. And notice what these trades do to those teams immediately upon them happening. The Rangers have been blazing hot since getting Vladimir Tarasenko. He's like 20 seconds into his tenure there. Like... Yes, exactly. And, and even though they lost that game last night, who scored the first goal of the game for the Toronto Maple Leafs last night? Nolachari. You need to bring these guys in to make a move not only improves your team because you're getting a better player in there, but it improves your team because it breathes some life into the players that are already here. It says, hey, our general manager, our organization has our back. They believe in us. And these guys just haven't gotten that this year from Hextall and Burke. No, they haven't. It, I said before that the the, the, the salary cap isn't, ex, isn't an excuse anymore. Guess what? No, it really isn't. That's two cap-strapped teams. Hell, the least are more cap-strapped than us. We, have, we at least have $18,000 of breathing room. They had nothing. And they figured out a way to pull in Ryan O'Reilly at six. He has, whatever his contract is, they pulled him in. I mean, yeah, it took that obviously that the mitigator, but he, dude, Kyle Dubas figured it out. I forget the Rangers general manager name, but that was another cap strap team. Chris Drury. Chris Drury. He figured it out for Vladimir Tarasenko, and now another piece. Guess what? The cap is not an excuse anymore. It's not. Mm-hmm. Don't figure it out. That's what your job is. That's why you have a crew of people around you. You figure that out. That's part of the job is sending players out that are worth this amount of money, getting people, getting players back in that are worth this amount of money. What I'll give one excuse for Ron Hextall. Who the hell wants these guys? Who wants these players right now? That's a big part of it right now. Who is going to take anyone on this roster? 
because people will take Jason Zucker. Sure, they will. Who are we willing to get back for giving that up? It's not many people. And if and for the players that it that are worth tr- uh, trading Jason Zucker away for, there we're gonna need to give up a hell of a lot more than just that. So who who is what team is going to take anyone from this bottom six right now? Mm-hmm. That's his one You're excuse. That's his one excuse, and guess what? That's on him. It is. It is on him. But my pushback is also, who did the Maple Leafs really trade to get Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari? That's true, too. Also, nobody. Trade prospects, buddy. Adam Gaudet, Mikhail Abramov. Like, again, they're not massive names. No. You're going to have to trade picks. You're going to have to trade picks if you want to improve this team. And if you don't want to improve this team, then you should have done that to begin with. You can't be half in, half out, and that's why Ron Hextall is on the hot seat. We'll talk about more about that. Also, how he could potentially save his job if there's a way right after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We finished last segment talking a little bit about Ron Hextall and having to need to make trades at this point. Not even to just, hey, you should make a trade. You need to make a trade right now because you signaled to the entire league and the entire Penguins fan base that you were all in. Why? Because you signed Chris Letang for six years. You signed... Brian Rust for five years. You signed Ricard Raquel for six years. You signed Evgeny Malkin for four years. That signals to everybody that you are all in. You can't pull back now. You cannot pull back now. And that indecisiveness is what has exactly put Hextall in the position that he's in right now. And the only potential excuse for the on-ice product is Tristan Jari's injury. But even then... The lack of a viable option as a backup plan or any action because of this injury goes right against him as well. Not to mention, everybody wants to give him credit and say, listen, benefit of the doubt, he knows what he's doing at net because that was his position. Well, what does that say when his position is one of the key determining factors of why this team is failing? I understand it's hard with with a goaltender that's injured, especially when there's one the caliber of Tristan Jari there, but how much money are you paying Tristan Jari this year? Not much. Like, you're paying him to be a middle-of-the-road goaltender. Even though he's out, there should be cap space to get a better option. Or you shouldn't be paying $1.8 million for Casey DeSmith. So, that to me is his only excuse. Is Tristan Jari's out. And even that comes with caveats. Absolutely. Absolutely that does. It's... (sighs) The time for excuses is over. Really. I mean should never have to make an excuse. It's your job. It's what you're paid to do. It's why you're here. Um, it's... We... 
heading into the Christmas break. We were heading into the Christmas break thinking maybe something about this team should switch. Too, there should be an adjustment here. Should be a change. There should be a trade. Should be some sort of change here. We are two months separated from that. Two whole months. We've been talking about this for eight weeks. Uh, and the team's not getting any better. It's sliding. It's sinking. It's. I don't know how else to put it. We had Ron Hextall talk and say, well, once again, well, we like our team. On paper, it's a good team. I, I, you know what? At the time, I supported that statement. Because on paper, sure, these are all names that can do something. They're, these are all players with some sort of name recognition. And that he said that he was that talks were picking up. That's good. That was also weeks ago at this point. And still nothing on the radar. There's not even like rumors. There's not even an Elliot Friedman tweet or a Chris Johnson tweet out there that says, hey, hearing the Penguins are in on blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, the... All of the trade rumors that the Penguins are involved in is pretty much Frank Zeravalli saying, hey, the, the Penguins would be a good fit for player A, player B. That's all we're getting. That doesn't mean there's talks happening. That just means that makes sense. A lot of players make sense on a lot of teams. You know? At this point in time, you know, Jake Gensel would make sense next to Connor McDavid to help the Oilers out. But guess what? That's not a thing that happens. That's, that's the point I'm getting at here is that the only thing we have been involved in is potential. Or mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I make sense covering baseball. So let's try and figure it out. It's yeah getting tough out there. We're, we're nowhere to be found. Radio silence. And I said this weeks ago that it's been radio silence on Ron Hextall's part. I said this before mm-hmm. he talked. And he said there was stuff happening. Nothing's happening. Yeah. Uh, and I think first, I think you and I remember the lead up to the Christmas break very differently. Um, because I remember going into the Christmas break, yes, it was on a down note with that loss to yeah. Carolina when they had a lead late, but they were 8-1-1 one, and one going into the Christmas break, and they were one of the hottest teams in the National Hockey League. That, to me, also eliminates the excuse that I've seen some people float out there that, hey, you know, this team isn't good. Why reward them with a piece? Like, can you really trust them at this point? Well, why didn't he reward them when they were 8-1-1 one, and one going into the Christmas break? Like, it's not like the team was that vastly different at that time. Yes, you had Tristan Jari, which again goes back to my point from the first segment that Tristan Jari makes this team vastly different if he's healthy. But also, don't tell me that Ron Hextall didn't see some of the cracks in the foundation even when this team was 8-1-1. Because when they were 8-1-1, Brock McGinn was scoring a lot of goals. We understand that that obviously helps things out. But at the same time, you could tell that that was not something that was consistent and going to continue. Jeff Carter was still poor. Mm-hmm. Kasperi Kapanen was in and out of the lineup. Denton Heinen was in and out of the lineup. The fourth line was not performing all that well. They were doing what they can do now, which is they can be physical, they won't allow goals, but they're not going to score anything. There were still issues with this team that Hextall could have went out and addressed when they were winning to keep the momentum going and to keep the morale high he hasn't done it and now the Pittsburgh Penguins are operating off their back foot he's put himself in that position in more ways than one and I'm not gonna sit here and give him any excuses because there is none anymore they went into Christmas break like a house of fire one bad loss to end it the only team they had lost to at that point in December was Carolina twice and they lost by one goal in Carolina then they lost in overtime at home so when I look at this team The excuses are no longer valid for Ron Hextall. 
Look at the defense and the forwards. The only defenseman out right now is Jan Ruda, and it's been that way for a couple of weeks. The Penguins' blue line is not only beatable, but beatable in the front of the net. Was that not the main focus of this offseason? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It was <clears throat> getting size and strength and guys to bang bodies in front of the net. And it, it's not even like... It's not even like these teams are getting chances to set themselves up. They're just getting two-on-ones. Fast break, fast break, fast break. That's all we're giving up. Leaving goalies out to dry left and right. I keep I keep saying the defensive personnel on this team is fine. Because it is. The defensive personnel on this team is fine. We've seen it work before. You know, we saw it work during this eight-one-on-one eight, one stretch. We saw it work at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. It's a matter of just tweaking whatever they're doing that's wrong. Crystal Tank can still get it done. Brian Dumoulin needs to be figured out. Jeff Petrie and Marcus Patterson, I don't know what the numbers are now, but one of the... Petrie hasn't been the same since he came back from figures. He hasn't. He hasn't reached the level that he was at before, and it's starting to affect Patterson, and then that's why you see the entire defense just drops a lot. Figures. But, like, you know, they used to be one of the top lines in the league. Okay. And then P.O. Joseph is still playing. He's still playing with a ton of confidence. He's still playing fast as hell. There's still a lot that could be had there. The Chad Ruedel spot. I mean, Jan Ruda, Chad Ruedel, Mark Friedman, just input and play, I guess. But that yeah. defense, the personnel on it is fine. The players can still perform. I mean, Chet Petrie's got to get his get his legs back and perform at what they did with perform what he did with Marcus Pedersen to get back to that echelon. I, like I said, Brian Dumoulin needs to be figured out. I don't know anymore. Like, there's people that can that can do things there. It's just a matter of changing up the schemes or whatever the hell they're doing. I don't mind our defense at the moment does Latang need a better partner yeah thousand percent but it's uh, there's something that can be had with this defense please that's the one point that i am still confident in if that if no moves happen to the defense fine change the scheming of it there, mm-hmm. that can still work brian dumoulin is anchoring chris Latang. currently jeff petrie is anchoring down marcus Pedersen. those are your two best defensemen that can't get a good defense partner. And I understand you can't fix all of your issues by just saying, well, let's put those two together, and then it's Dumoulin and Petrie. <sighs> it's like, well, that you're creating a problem by trying to fix a problem. The thing is, you know, obviously it'd be nice to get Ruta back, but you can't tell me that Jan Ruta is really the linchpin of this unit. Like, come on now. He is your third pairing right side defenseman. And I'm going to go into the defense more because I have a lot of opinions on them. I'll do that tomorrow. Um on, on Penguins to go. I won't waste everybody's time here with it. But, you know, the defense itself, this is a fully healthy or as close to fully healthy defense as you can get, and it's just not performing. Considering the fact that the defense was the focal point for Ron Hex on the offseason, that's a red mark against him. Just another red mark for, against him. And then to switch things to the forward side, his excuse for the bottom six has always been, you know, hey, it's a flat cap league. I got a bad prospect pool. Haven't really been getting reinforcements from the bottom. Well, Horwat, I looked it up. When Ron Hextall was hired back in 2021, here's the Penguins' bottom six at that moment in time. Evan Rodriguez, Jared McCann, Freddie Gaudreau, Zach Aston-Reese, Teddy Bluger, and Brandon Tanev. And that line. We all love that line. Yep. And you want to know who the four reserves were? Drew O'Connor. Colton Sevier, Mark Jankowski, and Sam Lafferty. I would venture to guess that Colton Sevier right now, probably not right now because he was already old, but Colton Sevier from then has played better than Teddy Bluger is playing now. 
O'Connor has gotten better. Lafferty is being talked about as a massive piece at the trade deadline. For for right or wrong reasons, he is, but just imagine. Correct. That's doing something for himself, though. He wouldn't do anything here. But, oh, my goodness, what has he turned into? Exactly. And then you look at the six that were actually in the lineup. Rodriguez, gone. McCann, gone. Gaudreau, gone. Tanev, gone. Asnerys, gone. Of those five that are gone, five of the six that are gone, only one of them were traded or moved for a positive asset, and that's Zach Asnerys because he was part of the Ricard Raquel deal. Tanev, you lost for nothing. McCann, cool. You got back a seventh-round pick, which is nothing, and you got Philip Hollander, which has proved to be nothing a couple years later. Freddie Gaudreau, you lost for nothing. Evan Rodriguez, you lost for nothing. The only way that he's going to be able to save his job is if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Because we saw it happen in 2013. Ray Shiro was on his last leg in Pittsburgh. They went to the East Finals with Tomas Vokun. It's bottom a year. They got the first seed in the Metro and they lost in the second round and he was fired right after that. He got a year because Tomas Vokun saved him. But you know what he did that year? He did everything in his power to get them there. Yeah, he did. Aginla, Moro, I believe Jokinen was brought Doug, in at, at some point Doug that year. Douglas Murray. And and look what Hexall's doing. Nothing. He's basically sitting there and saying, all right, well, my pink slip's already in the mail probably, <laughs> so ship's going down with me. It's like, that's not how it should work in the NHL. I really appreciate that we've done a lot of comparing of Ron Hextall to Jim Rutherford in these last few weeks. And yeah, absolutely. Let's pull out the Ray Shiro comparison because same thing. Ratio was just wheeling and dealing first-round picks. He knew what he had in Crosby Malkin, and they were in their prime and just reaching their prime during the Shiro era. They were just starting to butt out, and it was, all right, we got something here. Screw all these picks. We don't need them. We got this young talent. These these two under well, – they had to be under 25 at that point, maybe, under at some point during the Ratio era. These two players, mm-hmm. around 25, 26 – Sure, Crosby's dealing with concussion issues, but he's coming back. And screw all these first-round picks. These guys are going to be here for another bare minimum 10 years. Here we are 10 years later. Um, And it looks like hell. But Ratio was right. These guys are going to be here for another at least 10 years. Why do we need first-round picks? We don't. Mm -hmm. And now we see what what that turned into. A cup in 09. Sure, that was before all that, but still. Cup in 09. Cup in 16, 17. And we haven't missed the playoffs since. One thing that I am curious about, though, when it comes to um, Ron Hextall's job security is, and I haven't read the article yet on what uh, Josh Yoey put out about the ownership. We have to remember, we're under new ownership here. Penguins are under new ownership. Do you think they bought this team to watch it fall down a hill? Mm-hmm. No. They want to see wins. They want to see oh, it now. no. Yeah. I was agreeing with you, not saying, yeah, they right. did not. Yeah. Sorry. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's this ownership. Sh- I mean. When they came in, we thought it was going to be fire sale for everybody. They said the only two safe pieces are Sidney Crosby and Mike Sullivan. For better or worse, Mike Sullivan's still around. And Sidney Crosby's obviously going to be around forever and ever. Amen. Mike Sullivan is too at this point. He's got he's got like two more years until the new contract actually kicks in. It's weird yeah. that you can do that, but hey. Um the, and the when that happened, the Penguins were not in a similar spot at all, but they were still on a downswing when Fenway came in because there was talks of, and no one's job is safe. I mean, maybe they were just given time to see what they had. That's fine. The offseason has come and gone. Ron Hextall did a decent job during this past offseason to 
say, here's what the here's the direction I'm trying to take this team, right? He said he wanted mm-hmm. to get bigger and stronger. Jeff Petrie over John, Jeff Petrie over uh, Mike Matheson, Ty Smith for the for the for the for the future for John Marino. Fine, because when and a third round pick, yeah, because when Hextall was brought in, he was also given the impossible job of winning now and building for the future. That's an impossible job, man. Let's just be real. Um. So he proved that he can kind of do it. And Fenway said, okay, fine. But also, Hextall was also too new to kind of immediately strip down again. That's kind of my opinion on it. He was still fresh as well. So he was still kind of learning the ropes, Mm -hmm. I guess, in this organization. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of change all at once for the Penguins. I don't know. But Fenway wants to see some... You would assume, again, they haven't been around much. It's what uh, Yoey said in the tweet. At least, like I said, I still have to read the story. I want to. Fenway hasn't been around much. But I'm sure they still want to see a winning team. They want mm-hmm. to see their new asset win something. Mm-hmm. Ron's got to be the one that helps them do that. Mm-hmm. This is a new timeline for the Penguins. And this ownership is shouldn't be patient. They shouldn't be. They sh- they came in knowing this is a winning team. Sixteen years, they came mm-hmm. in at fifteen. They saw them. They saw them reach it again. Then they saw them be the better team in that round, and somehow still lose again. Injuries got in the way of that one, but they saw that this team can do something. They no longer yeah. can do something. Here's my thing with Fenway, and people always bring up Mike Sullivan as well. He is having a down season as far as being a head coach. Why is why is Sullivan safe and Hextall not is a question I've been asked several times. Ron Hextall does not have a history of succeeding at his job. Remember where he was general manager before the Pittsburgh Penguins? The Philadelphia Flyers. What is the last time the Philadelphia Flyers have won anything? They 76. haven't. They mean 70, yeah, 1975. Before he got there as a player. Yeah, exactly. So he didn't build anything in Philly. He's gone. The structure that he had in Philadelphia has still amounted to nothing. He's come to Pittsburgh. He has been not good in Pittsburgh. The only time that he was any good was when he was in L.A. and he was not the man in charge. He was not. He was was not in charge. He was part of something. That's it. And when you're the general manager, you're the man in the arena, you're the guy with the pen that makes the power and makes the moves happen. He is not proven. Mike Sullivan is a proven winner. Came in, he won two Stanley Cups. He won his first 10, I believe. Was it 10 or 9? His first nine playoff series. And yes, has he lost five since? He has. Has he had the better team in multiple instances? Yes. Has he been stopped by bad goaltending the past two years? Yes. But at the end of the day, he's a proven winner winner. Hextall isn't. So I think Hextall's gone. And honestly, something we can get into at a later date, Todd Reardon should be gone too. Yeah, we're getting into that territory too. Absolutely. Watch the power play. Watch the defense. Watch the defense. Volucci, you can say what you will about Volucci, but what does he have to work with? Genuinely, what does he have to work with? Not much. I mean, the other thing too with Todd Reardon is they bumped him to associate coach and I think that was really to put a title on him of he can be a head coach again in this league and it's not going to be the Penguins head coach hell no Mike Sullivan's here until the next for the next nine seasons basically yeah that was incentive to keep him 
Yeah, it's incentive to keep him, but also gives him a good title if they really do want to get him out. Hey, he's got a different title than anybody else in the league. Have him. Who knows? But also, <clears throat> I even when it came to Fenway saying Mike Sullivan's job was one of the two safe ones, I didn't like that either because he's an NHL coach and these guys just get run through, right? Mm-hmm. And I get that he is a proven winner, yeah. And I, I liked the idea of him being a safe a safe space. But at the same time, at the time, like I said, this team was in a weird funk when mm-hmm. they when Fenway came in. I'm not saying a coaching change is necessary. It's not. But a coach, but the coach needs to change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mike Sullivan needs to adjust himself a little. The room got really silent whenever he, whenever he was asked about the third line, and he had that fiery response. The room got silent. Um, we've we've already discussed how not how he treats the younger players coming in, like Gruden, Poulin, but how he doesn't deploy them mm-hmm. in the right way. How he'll say we want to get these guys playing time. Mark Friedman's still sitting in the press box. He said that about Mark Friedman pretty much, that we want them playing hockey games. He's still he's not playing. He's hurt. What am I saying? Still, though, mm-hmm. the, the point still stands. He wants these guys playing hockey games? Okay. Play them. Play them. Yeah. Because you you shouldn't be scratching your prospects. Yeah. More than one game, at least. If you want them playing like you said, send them to the minors or play them in the NHL. Well, that and that, point, that that isn't his decision, though. No, it's not. But when they're here, play them. Yeah, I agree. Or if or if you're not playing them, don't say you want them playing. Yeah, and and I like I preface this entire thing by saying he's having a bad season. Yes, absolutely. Jacob put a great story out already, actually. On it. Yeah, check it out please inside the Penguins. It. Yeah, please go read. It was fantastic. But it, and this is not at all saying Mike Sullivan is a bad coach. Not at all. This man is one of the few men in the league that can probably be behind the bench to will this team to the postseason. But there are some strange decisions. I have the numbers with me if we have the time, because remember how he flipped McGinn and O'Connor? Mm-hmm. You know who played more ice time? McGinn. Brock McGinn. You know who had the least amount of shifts played in that game? Drew O'Connor. Drew O'Connor. Now, I get it. Brock McGinn kills penalties. That was a big part of it. It was. The 5-on-5 time was in uh, O'Connor's favor. But still. To a normal fan that sees the third line playing like garbage, and you were, and he was asked about Brock McGinn before the game. He was asked about Brock McGinn before the game. I don't remember exactly what was said, but to a normal fan that sees the third line playing bad, and then sees one of those players get moved to the fourth. Oh, okay, good. We're seeing some change, trying to, you know, embrace some positivity somehow. But then they see that the that they don't look deep into the numbers, but they see that he still played more minutes. That's when it becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. To the basic fan that says, okay, gone, fire. Because we know Pittsburghers. Quick to fire coaches. We've been wanting to fire Tomlin forever. Remember Clint Hurdle? Yeah, Clint Hurdle had a target on his back from 2015 on. Yeah, so it's it's getting rough out here. And I'm not saying fire Sullivan at all. Not at all. This man can get it done. He just needs to get back to his roots pretty much. Yeah. and What a, and, well, what the, a day we're having. The, the problem is the team around him can't really execute that plan. I mean, fast and physical, is that not part of his speech that was plastered everywhere when he first came in? We're going to play fast, physical Penguins hockey, right? There's nothing fast about this team. 
Yeah, what is Penguins Hockey anymore? It is something we're going to watch later tonight and probably get mad again. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, quickly go through our weekly Pens poll. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We put out a poll this week for the first time in a couple of weeks because I actually remembered to do it. Uh, said with two weeks now down to 11 days until the NHL trade deadline, how many trades do you think Ron Hextall will execute between now and then? Clearly, since I put this poll out on Friday, uh, three days have gone by, no trades have been made, so we're still at zero on the old trade tracker. And uh, that is where 37% of you said that it will end is with zero trades. I love the pessimism, I guess, uh, from Penguins, <laughs> Penguins Twitter. 29% of you said he will make one trade. Another 29% of you said he will make two. And only 5% of people said three or more. I agree with that. I don't think it's going to be three or more. But he's going to make a trade. If he doesn't make a trade, I, I think it's just malpractice. And I think he's basically just admitting defeat, which just would make the entire universe in the 412 explode. Uh, I think he ends up making two deals. I agree with the second portion of 29% of people, but the fact that 37% of people think there's not going to be a deal done just shows you how much faith they have in Hextall as the Penguins general manager. That's exactly right. You would have you would asked me that question a week ago. I would have been like, ah, he's got, he can do one, maybe two. He's definitely not going to do three. No. Today I sit here and I look at it and I go, he doesn't have time to make three. He didn't then. He doesn't now. He's he doesn't have time to make two. You know, I, I get these I mean, trades can happen in a matter of minutes, but I mean, really, can they? You gotta you gotta really figure it out. And then one. I mean, he he's barely got time for one at this point because you look at the schedule coming up too. It's they play tonight, two days off. Play against, they play against Connor McDavid at home. Buy tickets, everybody. <laughs> um, and then you go on the road to St. Louis and Tampa Bay back-to-back -back games. Because at what point, you got to do some finagling there. If you make a trade in the middle of a back-to-back, -back, like, all right, we don't know if they're going to be in in time. we got to pull in a minor league player. we got to get them to a place, this, that, the other. There's a lot of finagling that has to go on. So when do you have the time to do it? You're running out of time. You just got to, either that or you peel the Band-Aid off. Do a, do a trade mid-game. Have, have them come out for the third period and go, hey, we're missing somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, someone's not on the ice. And this, the tweet goes out. Boom. Trade made. Mid-game. Imagine that. Imagine mm -hmm. that. I mean, get get creative. I mean, that's what we have to do. That's what he said he has to do. It's what everyone's been saying he has to do. He's got to get creative. Mm -hmm. I'm not actually saying trade someone mid-game, by the way. but Yeah, don't do that. No, don't do that. It's Unless a bad really... idea. You need, to, you need every point you can get. Let's not go short-handed. In a game, well, I mean, if it happens, then it happens then. But I'm guaranteeing you that if they wanted to finish a game, he'd be like, "Well, I think we're gonna have to. We're, we'll send it. 
we'll be the ones to send it to the NHL trade registry, and he'll just sit there and wait, and as soon as the game is up, he'll say, all right, send. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I also don't think the league office would approve of it yet. This isn't the MLB where Yasiel Puig's getting traded in the middle of a brawl, and he goes back to center field, and all the fans are like, buddy, you just got traded. <laughs> it's a little different than that. The, Gary Bettman's not going to let a trade happen mid-game. That yeah. being said, um, make a move, man. Make a move. It's You don't have time for multiple, it seems. Can you they, get they one do. in? They do. You have time because you, you know he's been talking to multiple teams about multiple trades and the frameworks have been built. You can execute those trades. And I know the NHL and the NBA are two vastly different animals when it comes to the trade deadline. But the Nets went from, hey, everything is peachy. We're going to be an Eastern Conference contender to five days later trading both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, you're right. I, it's a different animal, I understand. But it's in the same species. An- another thing, too, that... You, like, you know how I said the Penguins are just... And Ron Hexler just not found in trade rumors. Neither are any of the players. Yeah. Teddy Bluger's been floated out there, but like as a last gasp option for certain teams. It's also because which of these players actually hold any value? That's what I was saying earlier. Which of these players are... are, (laughs) (laughs) Speechless. Speechless on a podcast. Yep, that's that's where that's where this team has put Nick Horwat. He is speechless because none of the Penguins players have enough value to be even rumored to be on the trade block. I got to go watch these guys practice in an hour or two. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, you say what? Final answer. Your prediction. How many trades does Ron Hextall make between now and March 3rd? I bet he gets one in. I don't know which one it'll be, but I bet he gets one in. I say he makes two, whether or not that's two that actually help the team or hurt the team. That remains to be seen. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We will be back on Thursday with a full episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Meanwhile, keep your eye on our feed. We might have a couple episodes of Penguins to go this week. But the Penguins take on the Islanders tonight. These important games continue to come right into the Penguins schedule. We'll see if they're able to stand up for the challenge. That's going to do it. We'll see you guys next time. 